insurance agents from around the world. Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. God, I love Glovebox. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Mobile, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? Great, Scott. How are you? Best I've ever been. I love being in Mobile, Alabama, except for the heat, the humidity, the traffic, the traffic, the roads, the construction, the fact that rude waiters, you can go from one spot that looks like it ought to be in New York city. And the one street over you are in the hoodie. hood, (laughs) And I mean the hoodie hood. Uh, it is a very eclectic place. I've never been to any place. I told Daniel song this when he was coming Mm -hmm. down here. I said, Daniel, let me tell you about mobile. It is one of the most, if not the most eclectic city I have ever visited in my entire life. Yep. But I kind of feel like, Bradley, I can't believe I'm saying this. It's kind of a second home to me now. I actually mm-hmm. don't even need my GPS when a, I'm here. You need a house here. I do. I do. I do. Let me ask you a question. If I wanted to buy one of these buildings downtown that a lot of them are for sale or mm-hmm. lease, you know, you'll you'll see like this beautiful, you know, or it might, might, might be a bar, a cigar bar, a restaurant. Yep. Next to this building that's looks condemned, mm-hmm. empty, and for sale. Like what? What's going on with that? I don't know. I don't know. What do you think one of those would cost if I wanted to fire down? There's one down off the Offen Street, yeah. one block away. That I was like, you know what? The issue comes in with the zoning of what what you're going to do with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to turn it into a restaurant or or housing, either way, get ready. Yeah, you got a lot of uh, red tape you have to go through with that, which is unfortunately what keeps I think a lot of them vacant. Um, I don't know. You know, I know that the the Crescent Theater, uh, which is a the art house theater down here, that has, may be where those kids were going today. Probably so. It had two. It has an apartment above it, and then an apartment above that. It's for sale right now for. I want to say seven hundred thousand. Okay, which is a little overpriced. I mean, you could probably get one of those dilapidated ones pretty cheaply. But, but then you got to put two, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand to yeah. to get it up to speed. Ver- to verify that, Brandon. Find that listing, what it's listed for, because it may be more than. But seven hundred thousand dollars for that does not seem like a lot of money. Yeah, that's why I want to say it's more. Okay, um, maybe one point seven or something. Something like that. Yeah, it's a little. Mm, Needs needs a lot of work. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely a place that you could you could buy something like that and turn it into something good and and, and do well. Have you ever thought about buying a building like mm-hmm. not that, but something downtown that you could turn into an insurance office mm-hmm. or maybe have insurance upstairs and something I, maybe a, a greasy hands uh, barbershop yeah. down low or something. Actually, Brandon, I do. I have the I have the listing on my phone. Somebody sent it to me the other day. I have. Um, we were looking heavily at stuff for different various reasons, whether it be Airbnb or to put a business there pre-house. And uh-huh. now we decided to build a house instead. But that's probably, honestly, I love my office where I am now. I, if I could help it, I would never leave. But that'll probably be what we will do once we get done with this lease, which I'm, is three more years, by the way. But by the, if we keep growing like we're growing at the end of three years, we're going to need more space than we're in now. 
And if it's not available here, I'll probably buy something like that and make it into something really cool. I'm so. just going to tell you what's going to run you out of this space. What's that? The damn mail, the mail lady. lady. The damn mail Tell lady. everybody about the mail lady. Folks, I have never seen anything like this. This has happened to me uh, twice, I believe, since I've been here. Bradley so and 1. I. point eight million. That's what they're 8. asking 8. for. It. Yeah, that's oh, okay. it right there. It's a beautiful building. Yeah, it is beautiful. Um, Which that's comical because if that, if you move that to downtown. Oh, my gosh. That's beautiful. Gorgeous. If you put that right there in downtown Miami or Los Angeles, how much would that be worth, Bradley? $10, 15 so $20 a, million. It's a movie probably. theater, and then the, there's two apartments above it, and the apartments above it are freaking awesome. Oh, that looks like something, yeah. I mean, so, that's that's got Airbnb written all over it right there. Uh, but what were you saying before that? I, folks, let me explain to you. Oh, the mail lady. Let me explain yeah. to you what's going to run Bradley out of his office here. So when I come in town, if Bradley and I need to have private meetings to usually talk about firing Brandon, um, <laughs> we like to go out into the hallway and they have like a common area that you can sit on a couch. And I think there's maybe a chair or something there too. But right there, as you're sitting there, right kind of down the hallway, there is all of the mailboxes. And they the way they open up is you take one key and it opens up a whole bank of them. And they're all and they're built into the wall. They're built into the wall. The other side of that wall is where I sit. This male lady either hates Bradley's guts more than anybody has ever hated somebody's guts because those mailboxes are on the other side of his office wall, or she just has a bad day every time I'm down here. Y'all listen, I swear to you, this is what happens. She takes the mail slings it into these boxes. Hell, I don't even know if it's going in the right boxes. And she takes her hand <laughs> and she slams the door on that mailbox, on those Multiple mailboxes. Doors. It's four, it's four, four sections. Four sections. And each section's got maybe 15 or 20 boxes in it. As hard as she can slam it, she slams it into that wall. And it sounds, each time she does it, like a shotgun went off. If you listen, what episode was that? Uh, was it Kenny Urbania or it the may have been that? a few weeks ago? If you go back, you can actually hear her slamming the mailboxes in the middle of an episode. If Johnny doesn't edit it out, and Scott said, What is that? I said, that mail lady. I thought again. somebody's shooting a gun in here. Uh, but I have watched her do it. And in fact, the first time, if you remember, I got up and I said, Ma'am, is there something wrong? And she just kind of looked she at me and walked out. You. She just, just looked, walked by. Walk, walk, walk there, right so there's two mail ladies and that's one. And the other one is very nice, but they both slam the doors. So the only thing I can figure just kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt is maybe those doors are real old and they have to slam it to ensure it shuts all the way. Right. But it's pretty off-putting if you're not prepared for it. And then I'm literally sitting in my chair going when she shut, like the whole wall vibrates and I'm in a concrete building. Like, but what happens when you're in the mid fo really focused on something right. and you're at your desk and you're like looking at an email or thinking about, and all of a sudden a shotgun goes I off know, I know. every day, I know. every day. Maybe that's what's wrong with me, I, but I will say normally the mail comes right at five o'clock. So it's not that, so bad. it's not that big of a deal. Um, usually I'm, that's like the last thing, I, the last thing I do before I walk out the door is I say, Hey, to her, grab the mail and leave. So Bradley, we've got an all-star guest Absolutely. on today who I have spent a little bit of time with. I have one of the funniest stories, and, and I have waited years to tell this story because she's the only person that I know of, well, there's a couple, that can verify the story that I'm going to tell is true. And I'm I'm almost positive she was there when it happened, and I can't wait to tell it. But we've got a lot to talk about today. 
and I want to give her the introduction that she's always deserved. She is originally from Battle Creek, Michigan. She currently resides in Traverse City, Michigan. She has one son who might be, in my opinion, my buddy, Logan, 22 years old, might be the most well-versed and educated kid on insurance in the history of mankind because what a lot of these agents don't know, Logan attends the same mastermind events we do, Bradley. Mm -hmm. 22 years old. Can you imagine? Logan, I know how I know how proud you are, your mama, and you should be proud. She's accomplished a lot in her life. The, the knowledge he's gaining from that is unreal. 22 years old. He's been to how many Paradiso events? Like two or three of those? Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. She graduated from Northwestern Michigan College with a business administration degree, and she's li a licensed insurance. I don't, I don't even want to say that yet. Listen to this, Bradley. Oh, you got to hear this. I knew I was about to miss something. I wanted to pinpoint this because I love this so much. You put on this page, please list all your insurance jobs, roles, companies, and dates. Okay. Receptionist, eight months. <laughs> Listen, personal line CSR, two years. This this is somebody who's lived it, right? Mm -hmm. There ain't no, I never did that. Mm -hmm. No, she's done it all. Head mm -hmm. cook and bottle washer. Receptionist, eight months. Personal line CSR, two years. 100% commission sales producer, 13 years. Agency owner, 19 years. Hell, she's forgotten more about insurance than I know. She's been a licensed insurance agent in Michigan for over 35 years with seven professional designations and numerous industry awards. She's Her dedication to our industry is beyond evident. She has served on no, numerous local, state, and national boards, committees, and task forces both in and outside of the industry since 1990. Her history of volunteer work started in her teenage years when she when she found a passion in helping others, which she continued to focus on when she founded Cardinal Insurance Group in 2004 from less than scratch. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor today to introduce to you one of the first ladies in the insurance industry Please welcome to the podcast, Miss Linda Marie Fisher. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that is probably my favorite intro I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> Let's start with a start. Receptionist, eight years. I mean, eight months. Eight months. Personal line CSR, two years. 100% commission. So there is not one single person that can walk into that insurance agency and say, you ain't never done it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And I love that so much because I know for myself, when I started and to this day, I take, call Justin Miller, ask him who takes garbage out at our office, who cleans the office, who, you know, I, I'm still doing all that. I shouldn't be, I could pay somebody to do it $150 a week, but mm -hmm. I'd rather just do it myself. I love that so much, Linda. That means a lot to me. This resume uh, makes me respect and love you even more. Well, thank you. It makes talk, me tired. <laughs> talk to me a little bit today. Let's get in my DeLorean for just a second and go back in time. Okay. Talk to our audience today. There's only 250,000 agents listening to this. Tell them how you got started and bring them up to today. So I got started by answering an ad to help pay for college. Someone mm. was advertising to, for a receptionist and insurance agency, and I really was not going that direction. I was a 
doing a double major in psychology and criminal psych, to believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, criminology and psychology were my what I enjoyed doing, but I needed a way to pay for college. And so I answered an ad in a phone book. And um, two years later, I was just exhausted. I was working full time at the agency. I was working weekends at a grocery store. I was newly married and I was doing four nights of honor student college. So after two years, I got my degree and said, I kind of like this insurance thing. And I did. I loved, I fell in love with insurance. Mm. What were you doing in those two years? Were you receptionist or were you, were you producing at that point? I was receptionist for the first eight months. And then he said, I really think this might be for you. And he got me licensed as a CSR and in the agency I was at, you didn't do sales and service. All of the CSRs sold. And so Mm. what started happening was he, I don't know why my, my um, employer said, why don't you try this telemarketing thing? And so I would sit in the back of the kitchen in area from five to seven o'clock at night after working until three and I'd go home for a couple hours and come back. And I would call people who were having dinner and ask for, you know, if I could quote their home and auto insurance. And that's how I started getting into sales. And honestly, really quickly, within probably a year of doing just that and, and having him hit some pretty good numbers with sales, all of a sudden the headhunters found my name and started calling to see if I would go work in some other organizations doing just commission sales. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. A hundred percent commission that was lean for a while. <laughs> I, I just got through telling my bunch last week, I was talking to a few of my agents in my office and I said, you know what separates Jessica Miller from everybody else from a consistency standpoint is she makes 35 phone calls a day, mm-hmm. 35 calls a day. You can take that multiply it times five times four weeks. I do believe in my heart that the the telephone is the most powerful te- sales tool in the world, and the re- I, and I I would prefer to sell in front of people face to face, right? I, I'm a I'm a face to face guy, yeah. But it is so inefficient to think that you're going to go out here and you know get in your car and spend thirty five dollars right. on gas going to fifteen businesses or if you're really good at what you do, you can jump on that phone. And now there's all kinds of programs that just auto dial for you too. Mm-hmm. You can make easily, easily a hundred calls a day because you know that 45, 50 of those numbers are going to be bad or somebody's just going to say no and hang up or whatever. Right. But if you do that over a three month time, you are going to sell insurance. Yes. Period. End of story. Now you can do all this other stuff and the automations and what I call passive prospecting. I've got a bunch in my office that love to do passive prospecting. Mm -hmm. And I tell them all the time, most of your passive prospecting either ends up in my garbage can in my kitchen or in the garbage can in my email box Mm -hmm. most of the time. But boy, there ain't nothing better than just picking up that phone for Mm -hmm. an hour and jamming. And if you do that, consistently over about a two or three month period, you're going to sell insurance. And if you don't, you're not. What we used to do when we first opened portal and we weren't getting any leads is we, everybody had a power hour. Yep. And it was, Hey, Scott is on his power hour right now and nobody was to bother them. And it was for that hour you called out. Now, the only problem with that is you miss people. They call you back outside of the power hour. You can run into issues, but that worked really good for us for the first year. Uh, let me say this last episode of the podcast. I said something about hiring a jam up commercial producer. If you take that seriously and you want to contact me about a commercial sales job and you've never done a power hour before, don't, don't even contact. Me. Don't, <laughs> don't even, 
don't call, don't email, don't text. I think every single person in the insurance industry should have to do a power hour, mm-hmm. whether you're a CEO or whether you're, you're the receptionist. I think that uh, it's that important. And I, I and you said the word power hour, and it brought back uh-huh. some nostalgia of power hours. I did sales improvement program. Yeah, Scott. that's right. Got to get that power hour in. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Linda, we've got a lot to talk about today, but continue with your story. I think we only got up to the headhunter part, and then you went on straight commission. What made you, and I'm wildly interested in this too, because of all the agents listening to this right now, and I, I hear the story a lot. What made you one day wake up after eating a bad piece of pizza and go, you know what? I'm doing this on my own. Let's go, Cardinal Insurance. What made you want to do that? Honestly, it's it's I'm a kind of a, what I call a control freak in rehab. So okay. I just, I came up with a lot of ideas that I thought were really good ideas for the agency. And at the time, a third of all their clients were my clients. And so I approached the two owners and said, I'd like a shot at ownership. And one of the um, one of the gentlemen that owned it had been um, in the business 25 years to my 16. The other one had only been in 10, but he was married to the previous owner's daughter. Mm, so mm. he's the one that told me I would need at least another 10 years before I would know enough to be an agency owner. Hell, so, there's been folks put in jail for murder that ain't been in time that much, that long. So he wanted me to have 26 years of experience before they would even talk to me about ownership. So that was at the point where I, it just wasn't. And there were just decisions they were making at the time that I just didn't agree with. And and I'm very yeah. vocal when when you have things that are happening. And, and you know, I always said it used to be I, I would say you, you take care of your client first, take care mm. of your companies. The numbers are going to be there. Right, right. And when you're making decisions only based on what's best for you mm-hmm. versus what's best for that client that's waiting out in the snow and we're all sick staring at him, but we're still on our lunch break and we're not going to open the door. It's just things like that that I just didn't agree with. Oh, my God. I would have yes. a freaking I would melt down. Oh, yeah. Things like that that I just didn't agree with. And, you know, turning clients away because they didn't have an appointment. A client stops by to sign a check leave a check and sign an app and you turn them away because they didn't have enough. So things like that, I just didn't agree with. And, and whether it was right or wrong on their part, that's what they wanted to do. And it was their agency, right? They have the right, just as I have the right today. Can I, can I ask a question? Yeah. Looking back on it now, had you approached it differently or had a different mindset? And I think this is going to all boil down to how old they were at the time that this happened. Yeah. Do you think there was an opportunity there for you to buy their agency and get them out Look, looking back on it now, or was that just not going to be an option? You see what I'm saying? You take over and they. Yeah, I do. I do. But I don't think, you know, I've been very active in this, in this industry, very active. And so I've, I've been around since it was just the good old boys. Right. And there are certain people that would have never sold to a female period. They're just, mm-hmm. and, and I will tell you that one of the owners was probably that one of those people that would have never allowed that to happen. I, I can't even fathom that. Like that doesn't even, yeah. it doesn't even register in my brain. Like when mm-hmm. she just said that, I was like, why wouldn't he sell to her? Yeah. What's it matter? Mm-hmm. I don't give it. Who cares? What's, mm-hmm. what's that about? Just the whole sexist thing of anyway. I don't know. Um, let me ask you this question. And I've, you and I've spent some time together and talked a little bit. Where is Logan at today mentally? I know when we talked, I think it was a year ago or so at a Paradiso event, Logan is very opinionated, which I like. 
And I liked the fact because I asked him a specific question when we were up there. I said, Logan, I want to talk to you because you at that time he was 20, 21, kind of bumping into that 21-year-old age. And I'm so old, I'm 50, that I think I have a hard time really understanding what are these kids name? What are these kids called now? They're not they're not Gen Z. Gen Z's. I have a hard time understanding. Like I have kids at home. My my stepdaughter's at home. She's 19, uh, about to be 20. And I can't even have a conversation with her. Like I, I don't know what first she's a girl, so I don't know what to say to her there. And then now she's a teen, like a 20-year-old. So I was asking Logan these like very like like Logan, tell me what people your age think about insurance. And man, he was shucking down the corn for me relative to like kind of his thoughts on it and he was very opinionated what what's his role like now or is, is he still i'm assuming he's next door to you right now so i guess he's with the agency he is yeah so he had decided about a year ago that insurance just wasn't for him that's right so, he told me that he told me that too he was like yeah. I, I don't think i'm gonna do this i don't really like it yeah and you're you're talking about a kid that remember you know from the age that he could everything's right here in his hands Correct. right everything he needs Correct. to know and so he consciously made the decision not to go to college, even though we thought for sure he was going. He didn't want to. And I agree. I agree with him now. But And by the way, scary smart, too. So it's not yeah, like he could have yeah. gone, you know. And again, like you said, if we only had the chance, you know, he's 22 and look at the chance he has now. And, you know, the day he was 18, Logan started his own Vanguard Roth IRA. Correct. Now, if we had all done that the day we turned 18, can you imagine? <laughs> you know, he also started trading in the stock market. So he really has more of that quick. But it's that quick decision making. Right. It's that quick turnaround. And so to sit on a phone and hear somebody ask for the third time how much towing is going to cost to add to their <laughs> right. policy, it wasn't. It just wasn't his thing. Now, he did really sure. well. People loved him on the phone. The, I have had clients who sent me a receiving blanket when I was pregnant with him. Mm. So, you know, a lot of clients are like, is that that little, you know, so he did excellent on the phone. And during COVID, there were only three of us that worked here during COVID before I mm. hired. And we had Michigan no fault changeover plus that. So he stayed in as long as he needed to help us kind of get through that. And then he said, this is just not for me. He's more right. into, you know, maybe buying some rental properties and stuff. But honestly, the tide changed for him was when we went to Paradiso's two years ago. Wow. That's where I met. That's where I met him. I probably, t- I probably had a big hand in that. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure, you, I'm sure you, you're a big influence. I don't know if I should thank you or not, but. If this um, dude can do this. If this guy can do it, my gosh. Good what Lord. I, what am I doing? But we, when you put him in a room like that with people who really are, are like-minded, right? And and they're they're the geekonomics and the techno and the, you know, um, and the quick thinkers and the quick movers versus me, I get analysis paralysis and we'll think about something six ways before I do it. Not Logan, he'll just, let's just try it. Let's just do it. Let's just see what's the worst that can happen. So Mm -hmm. for him, when we came back from that, he really kind of blew my mind because he said, he sat with me and he said, mom, I think with my technology and with some things that I can do with SEO and stuff, and with mm. some marketing stuff on that end, and with your knowledge of the industry and the way that you are as as an owner of a business, he said you're probably one of the best there is. I think we could do something really great here. Batman and Robin. Yeah, and so I said, you know what? I'm willing to give it a whirl, but you know what? You got to prove it to me because he let his license go. Right. And of course, he wouldn't listen. Right? Did wouldn't listen to me. So he did just get his license back about two months ago, and is now in the seat of helping us with new business, personal lines, new business. He wants to learn commercial. Um, I'm not sure where he will go, but we're both open to kind of see what happens. Well, so, I, so two things on that. One, ahead. I would love to be on the fly on the wall of you having a conversation with your stepdaughter, trying to relate to her. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's worse than painful. 
it's about like me I trying can, to talk to the mail lady out I there about see, why she's slamming, I slamming doors see going in with well intentions and then saying the complete wrong thing and everything uh, going sideways and 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 it's not like i'm unnice i mean like yeah. i am very nice to her avery how are you doing can i do anything for you i mean it's very it's very cordial but yeah. we just don't have anything in common that'll probably change I don't know, but I'm telling you, man, I think these kids change when she gets older. One more thing. And neither one of these have anything to do with insurance. I apologize, Linda. That's okay. You want to know a company that has a freaking chokehold on the market in their industry? Is that that freaking company that makes the the white receiving blankets with the blue lines? Like, my God, somebody disrupt that company. My Lord, uh, every baby they, in America has been swaddled they, with that damn white blanket uh-huh. with the two blue lines on it. They have a monopoly, and they need to be disrupted. Now. Like, they have, like, yes, the government needs to come in, antitrust, FTC, all that stuff. That guy, whoever but, whoever the man or woman I is know. that started that is worth $10 trillion right now. I know. It's insane. Like, how? why is there not any other blanket companies out there going to hospital and being like, our blanket? it's like three times fluffier than and it has the it has the consistency of like astroturf it's like a diaper like an old school diaper you know what so many babies now have eczema it's probably those freaking blankets that cause it 100 why not give them a cashmere blanket so you know when linda when linda and i were little your mama didn't put like the pamper diapers on you you had the damn washable diapers right and they were made of the consistency of them damn blankets just about you I, you have never said anything more true. Somebody yeah. needs to take over the world in the baby diaper uh, blanket business. Yeah. Uh, Linda. Maybe me, one of these insure tech CEOs that tries to go direct to consumer can do that when their company gets out of business because they don't use agents. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't have a thing of coffee in my mouth. Just say that. <laughs> Linda, let me tell you where I think Logan shines. Can I help you? Of course. I think Logan shines with, I love the word you used earlier, SEO. So what Gary Vaynerchuk's talking about today as it relates to branding and marketing your agency is he says, take the four or five most popular apps, social media apps, and, you know, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, What's the one where women post on the Pinterest? Pinterest and uh, TikTok, or I think the, the the three or four that he talked four he talks about. Every woman on earth uses Pinterest, and so does Chris Paradis. And yes, and so in Chris Paradis, but through I like I use Pinterest too. I like Pinterest. Yeah. So what he says to do is to have a guy like Logan get a PhD understanding, which nowadays you don't need to go to Harvard or Yale or Vanderbilt or somewhere. You can YouTube. Google search, spend 10, 15 hours researching this, and then create content that mirrors what that social media platform wants to see to get your engagement up, and then utilize both organic content and paid advertising to do that. And I just see that as being a home run for him. And I might even let him be the one that creates content because he's young, he's hip, he's a good-looking kid. Mm-hmm. You know, let him create the cool hip content, but put it out across those platforms in the way that those platforms want to see that content. Like if you if you've got a niche in commercial on LinkedIn, you really need to understand how to create content for LinkedIn that's right. going to resonate with more of that B to B rather than D to C. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but but then you've got TikTok or Snapchat, and right. 
that's a whole different thing, right? But yeah. he's a kid that could kind of get his arms around all that. And the way Gary explained it the other day was he was like, look, all of these companies out there that run these Super Bowl ads and spend millions and billions and millions and billions of dollars, what they're doing is vanilla ice cream. Right. What we've always done from a the standpoint of marketing and branding our agencies is vanilla ice cream. But what you have a chance today to do is create Baskin Robbins, the 33 mm-hmm. flavors, right? You can right. you can specialize and niche down into each one of those social media platforms. Well, and I, the I just say the boss just stepped in for you, Scott. There he is. What's up, my brother? How are you doing? We've come a long way since uh, I said, how you like the insurance industry back two years ago? And you said, I hate it. And I'm getting out of it. <laughs> it has been quite the journey. I was just telling your mom where I think she, you would shine in her agency. Uh, I, I just see such a tremendous opportunity for the two of you to turn into Batman and Robin here. I think but you're going to have to wait six weeks. This episode comes out to listen to it. You're going to have to wait 26 <laughs> years before you get ownership. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, hey, exactly. one thing, one thing I will tell you, if I didn't tell you that day, two years ago, Logan, that yes, I want to tell you now is the tremendous opportunities you have in insurance uh, with your mom's agency or out. There's just so Bradley, Bradley can tell you how many endless opportunities for you with your knowledge, the, the, the experience you have working in her agency world is your oyster, man. You're 22 years yeah. old. Take advantage of it. I appreciate would you, it. Thank would you, you agree, Bradley? I would agree hundred yeah. percent. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it's just endless how many opportunities, but appreciate you jumping on for a second, brother. Yeah, of course. Have a good one guys. All right, man. See you. I think the way too, Scott, to, to think about each social media platform too, is think about it. Think about going to a convention, mm-hmm. right? You are going to have a different conversation. Correct. In the morning when everybody's just getting started mm-hmm. and all the senior executives are there. Right. Then you're going to have at the party at the bar that night. Right. And you're going to have a different conversation at the party or at the bar at 10 o'clock that night where you go out on your own with your buddies Mm -hmm. than you are at lunchtime that day. It's four different conversations. Right. They're all productive and you can accomplish things from all of them, but it's a different way of speaking. That's how I think of different social platforms. You can deliver the same piece of content. It's just how you present it on LinkedIn than you will on TikTok. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like I may start a video on TikTok with listen here, fam. Right, 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 right. But on yeah. LinkedIn, I'm going to say, hey, everybody, it's yeah. Bradley with Portal Insurance. Your, copy, your copyright's going to be tweaked. But mm-hmm. you need to have somebody that understands that. Right. If you're going to, you know, Bra- uh, not Bradley, but uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about like 250 pieces of content. A day. Do you realize what 250 pieces of content would look like going across all? I mean, you'd have to have a team of 17 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you don't have to do that. Basically but. doing what he does. Yeah. You know. Uh, Linda, let's talk a little bit more about your agency right now. Marketing and sales. I know you've got a lot of experience in it. Give these agents some just nuggets before we get off this podcast today. Talk a little bit about what's made you successful in marketing and sales. And I already know the answer. So I, I, well, and I think one of the things is I, I'm definitely passionate about it and people see that I'm genuine and I'm passionate about what we do. Once you do, you know, whether it's you rebuild a home or you deliver a life insurance check, what we do is so important. And I work a lot. So I have a separate license in Michigan called a licensed insurance counselor. Uh And Michigan's the only state that offers that a second additional license. And what that allows me to do is work with financial planners, 
and CPAs and attorneys and get paid by the hour to review their clients' insurance policies. Kind of like Jessica was talking about at mm-hmm. IAOA, but I get paid by the hour to do that. It's a separate license. And so what I find in doing that, a, a lot of the times what I do really well in insurance, it's just it's just find gaps or find things that are just wrong, that are just written wrong. And when you've been doing this such a long time, whether it's a big construction or a big developer that's you know got some some insurance issues going on that they don't even know about, or whether it's just a simple auto and home policy for a client that's never heard the word umbrella. Right. I'm very thorough. I'm very detailed. I'm A to Z. I don't apologize for, you know, offering the best that we have to offer. Sure. And, uh, you know, long ago, I, I realized that sales to me really is, like you said, sitting down with a client face to face, explaining coverages. I could get in on the phone, but it was really when they came in to meet me and sat down and I explained everything to them and they walk away going, no one's ever done this. No one's ever explained this. No one's taken the time. And so one of the things that I would say, and I talked about it this morning, actually, on a post was too many times when we're hungry, right? We open an agency from scratch and we need to sell every every client or. Oh, God, I remember. Or we have that heart, which I say CSRs definitely have a servant's heart. And I can do either. I can sell or I can service. And CSRs have that want to take care of everybody. And so one of the things that I see over and over mistakes that I would say is trying to write everything and half of it you shouldn't be writing because you don't know mm-hmm. what you're mm-hmm. when you have to go to an ENS market and even they say, well, we've only got one or two carriers and you just get an app and fill it out and don't look at the coverage and what you're really selling your client. You're not doing them or you any favors. So I kind of stayed in a niche. I, I started insuring contractors just because they were by personal lines clients. And they would call and say, I'm having problems with my audit. And I didn't even know what an audit was. And so I really did teach myself commercial lines because there was no one at the agency that was mentoring me at the time. And somehow commercial contractors, residential contractors, developers, flippers kind of became my niche. And when we get someone that calls in the office and they want to do something that's way out of our, we, we say, you know what, we cannot help you with that. But here's an agency that can. We always offer them another resource. We always offer them somebody else to call. Can I stop you for one second? I want to speak to all my captive agency friends, uh, carrier partners out there right now. I implore you, I am begging you the likes of which I have never begged anyone for anything in my life. If you are a C-suite executive with a captive insurance carrier and you are about to develop an agency program to hire and recruit new agents to your, your carrier, please, for seven pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, hire Bradley Flowers and I come in as a consultant because what Linda Fisher just said was one of the biggest issues that I see with captive carrier agency programs. It's almost like they set you up to, before it's all said and done, you're selling insurance at a damn buy here, pay here car place. (laughs) For For the love of God, please hire us to come in and help you develop that program because what you said is exactly right. You're less than scratch. You need income. You need, you need clients on the books. And before long you look up and you're like, I'm not writing anybody that I really need to be writing. Mm-hmm. I'm writing people going to get a car tag tomorrow. Right. The, which, you know, their policy is going to cancel next month. And, right? we t- and we tell customers that like, look, our margins only work if you keep this policy six years. Right. Right. I'm not I'm not writing somebody that I know is going to cancel in six months or right. in a year and a half. See, and what's interesting is back in 2016, when I spoke at IAOA, that was my topic. Mm-hmm. Really? Quantity versus quality. 
And it was amazing to me that because I basically said when I got up there, I said, I get that some of you in this room, when we get done, you're going to say she's on it. She knows what she's talking about. And I said, the rest of you are just going to be wrong. And that's that's okay. You can be wrong. (laughs) Because I I watched it. I watched the fact that, hey, how is it that I'm producing 400,000 in new business and I'm only growing by 110,000 a year? Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. it didn't make sense. And so I actually did the manual work and I actually went backwards and I tracked where that business came from and I tracked why it was leaving. And if you're writing clients that are can that cancel every month for non-pay and they're sending you all of their buddies that are canceled for an, it just really is such a it, it's such a negative thing for your CSRs to deal with too. Those upset And calls. it's a hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. You're never gonna get ahead doing that. You're just not and, and we really we're fortunate because there are, like you said, there are some direct writers in our town that I've met with and had lunch with, and they have to hit their numbers. It doesn't matter as long as it sticks for, uh, you know, until, until it falls off the wall, as long as it sticks for a month, they get paid that higher commission on their entire book of business. So they're wow. going to write as many as they can. Wow. I, I got one more question before we get off this podcast. And this was the whole purpose behind coming on here. But I, 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 I think that we can hit this pretty quick here. Client tiering is something that I learned from Mike Stromso. I know it's something that you utilize in your agency. Talk to these agents for a minute about how you guys do that. How do you do your client tiering? So we have a client tiering of A plus A, B, and C. And then we have our separate LIC, which are the LIC clients. And so our C clients are monoline or clients that just don't fit in with our agency, whether they're always mad at claims time or just not the best fit for them. So those are our C tier clients. It doesn't mean they get, for us, it doesn't mean we're not going to offer to do a review for them. We're not going to down tier the service to them per se, but we're not going to spend the additional money to them to send them the Christmas gift or to send, you know, we can't afford to. If you got a monoline life policy that you bought here six years ago, that's 50 bucks a year. You know, we made something uh, half a year. (laughs) We didn't make anything. So we have A, A and A plus are our higher tier clients. And I know what premium volume those are. I know how much commission we get for those. And I know um, the number of policies per client in that tier base, the same with my LICs. And so what we do is we use that tiering level to say, if it's an A plus or an A client, they're going to get the A plus clients are going to get two phone calls a year from me personally, they're going to get two more from the CSR, just Mm -hmm. checking in. How are you doing? How are things going? Do you need anything? We actually just based off um, the class that we were just at, we actually did these little notepads that we have now that um, were that Bob were from UPP, where it's just each agent has their own little notepad. Just write a quick note, dropping it in the mail, just checking in on you. So they can call and do a check in. They can email or they can pick up the phone. But our A plus and our A clients are getting that four times a year between the CSR and myself. Okay. And then our B clients are usually two policies, only two policies. And those are the ones that we're going to hit with all of our rounding for the, it's usually the umbrella that we're not, that we don't have for them. So that I have them tiered separately because we're doing a rounding solicitation, whether it's umbrella, whether it's life, we don't do any health insurance here. It's based strictly on policy count. It's strict. It's not strictly on policy count. And you can't do it that way. Cause if I have a client that only has one policy, I I have one, I just wrote, he bought, he paid cash for a $3.4 million house. Mm. He's not going to be a C client only because he lives in another state. In fact, he just bought a $175,000 doc. So he he started off as an A client just because we're going to make that phone call. We're going to check in with him with that high value of a home. We know he's buying boats. We know he's going to title some vehicles here, he said. So we're we're going to tier it based on the opportunity as well, or we're going to tier it based on referral source. I have a couple of A clients that only have one policy with me, or they may have no policies with me, but they refer a lot of clients our way. 
And it could be a such I have one in particular. It's a situation where his wife is a direct writer. Mm -hmm. And yet for commercial insurance, he's going to refer to me all the time because she can't write that stuff. Sure. How do you decide? I mean, so how do you decide who gets classified what and who gets downgraded? See, downgrading, we didn't really look at until this year. And it's when I ran the list and said, because what, what I do is I have a 30 year, a 20 year, a 10 year, and then a new year. So everybody who has a brand new home that bought a brand new house in 2022 just got from us an ornament, Christmas ornament with their address and their name on it. We just did that for all of the brand new houses. 10 year got a different cardinal ornament. So we do gifts for them, which helps me do that as well. Decide who, you know, if it's a somebody who's been with me for 20 years, they're going to get a gift. But if they're 20 years of 2000 in premium versus 20 years of 50,000 in premium, the gift's going to be, the gift is going to be different. Sure. But we didn't think about down tiering until this year, to be honest with you. I ran the list and I noticed that when I did policy count, there might be six policies and they were still a class B because nobody had moved them up. They'd rounded right. it really well, but they had not changed that. So we're working right. on, you know, on doing that. Yeah, right that's going to take some time to kind of go through each year and reclassify probably maybe a third or something like that. The agents need to do that from the, what I said to them is in, unless you guys want to do this every year, you need to do it. When you write that umbrella, that life and that, you know, whatever, that rental dwelling, go ahead and change it then. Change it at that time. And the right. same with down tiering. If they move out of state and they leave the rental house here with us, but everything else goes down tiered at that time. In that scenario, what would that client down tier to on a, just left a one rental house with you? Monoline. C. C. Monoline. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. I think, I think every agency needs to do that in some shape, form or fashion. You're doing it pretty, you know, intensively with right. your entire book of business, which I don't disagree right. with. Right. Uh, some agencies just do their top 10% of their, uh, of their book is mm -hmm. their VIP clients. Right. right. And those are the people that get four tech, four calls a year, or they get a Christmas present and right. a lot of other things as well. But I really appreciate you being on the show yeah. today. I know, uh, Bradley and I've got to run, but yeah. we will definitely have to do this again because I did not get to my hilarious story that she was a part of. <laughs> we'll have her back on. Yeah. We've got to do that. <laughs> she was a part of it. I think. But uh, Linda, thank you so much for being thank with us. Thank you, today. guys. As I end every episode, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today and do what my friend Linda has been doing for quite some time, and that is build relationships in your community, serve others, be the mayor of your village. I can promise everybody one thing. In the town that she's in, Traverse City, Michigan, they are a bunch of people that know her as the insurance lady in her community. Mm -hmm. A lot of people know Guilty. her as that. Guys, go make money for your family, for your wife, for your husband, for your kids' college fund, and for your parents that are struggling out there. Go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent, and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, brother. Thanks, thanks Linda. <laughs> Bye, Thank guys. you, Linda. Thanks. Happy holidays. Hey. I'm headed to Huntsville, Alabama, home of the free, land of the brave. We'll see you next time. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we love each and every one of you. Thank you so much for being a part of our family, and we'll see you again real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley 
at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.